God, we do thank you for this day, and it is beautiful. And even the rain this morning and the, and the rainbow that we saw, all our promises from you. We thank you for calling us here together this morning to worship you corporately, for bringing us from whatever it is we've been doing this week, just doing life, to coming to this place and praising you, worshiping you. You inhabit the praises of your people, Lord. We welcome you here this morning. Come Holy Spirit, fill this place, fill each one of us to overflowing with your power, yes, but with your encouragement, with your wisdom, with your knowledge, with your compassion, most of all with your May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, I don't know what I actually put on the slide for the title of this because I've changed it two or three times. What do I do when I'm overwhelmed? Okay. I have, what do you do when you're overwhelmed? And then I got into doing it and I thought, well, what do I do when I'm overwhelmed? Maybe this is for me as much as it's for anybody else here today. Isaiah 38, 14 in the New Jerusalem Bible says, Lord, I'm overwhelmed. Please come to my help. I don't know whether you've ever felt like Isaiah, but I certainly have, and it hasn't been that long ago for me. A lot of things can overwhelm us in our lives these days. Grief and guilt, grudges and Worry about everything can overwhelm us. Responsibilities, circumstances that seem, you know, just overpowering to us. And this week as we begin this new series on what do I do when, we're going to fill that uh, blank in each week with a different uh, scenario. I was thinking about this and riding down on Highway 17, and I noticed the faces of some of the moms in their cars taking kids to school this first week of school. And most of them had the look on their face of being a little overwhelmed. First week of school, the first day of school, the routine of summer gone, whatever routine that is, and... The routine of the school year is not quite fully materialized yet for them. And it can be overwhelming to all of us. So I want us to look at today probably the most famous mother ever. The mother of Jesus. The lady that we call Mary. We're going to go to Luke chapter 1. Uh, beginning at verse 26, and I'm going to re be reading from the New Living Translation. I had some of you people say, I love it when you use those different translations, and you haven't done that in a long time. So, okay, this is, this is for you. We're going to use a lot of different translations today, but I love to use those different translations as well. Luke 1, beginning at chapter 26. Uh, we have Bibles up here. If you don't have Bibles, you're welcome to get one of these and use it, or if you don't have a Bible that's easy to read, take it home and get your gift. And of course, the uh, scriptures will be on the screen as well. And in this church, we believe that the Bible is the infallible Word of God. 
It's the only standard that we have for our faith and for our life. So listen as I read to you from any of the translations of God's Word. God sent the angel named Gabriel to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. Now we got all those names out of the way. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Don't be frightened, Mary, the angel told her. For God has decided to bless you. Mary was a young teenager. She was pregnant. Back up. She was engaged to be married to Joseph. He had probably picked her out, or the family had picked her out. The, the marriages were arranged then. And by the time a girl uh, in that day was 13 or 14, they were married. They were already married and having children. So the angel shows up one day and says, Mary, I know you've never had sex with any man, but you know what? You're pregnant. And inside of you is God. Okay. How would you react to that? Would you be overwhelmed? Would you be confused and, what was the other word, disturbed that she said, frightened? I just imagine that Mary was thinking, how in the world Am I going to explain this one? Who in the world is going to believe me? She's thinking, how can I communicate this to, to Joseph? Joseph, guess what? I'm pregnant. But it's not what you think. How can she tell her parents? Mom, Dad, I'm pregnant. But it's okay because the Father is God. Yeah, right. She had to think through the implications of this news the angel had told her. Some of them might have been, Joseph is probably going to leave me. And I wouldn't blame him. My parents are going to doubt me. The community is going to disgrace me. My, my reputation is shot. I may be stoned to death for immorality. This was a disaster in the making, and she could see that. And remember, she's only 13, possibly 14 years old. And the scripture says she's confused and disturbed. Well, I guess I would be too. I've got another word for that. And that word is overwhelmed. Think about all she was dealing with. Think about all you would have to be dealing with in that situation. First, there's the fear of criticism. What's everybody going to think about me now? Then there's the fear of the supernatural. Well, exactly how is this going to happen? And what's going to happen inside my body? Then there's the fear of inadequacy, I'm sure she had. I'm going to be the mother of the Son of God. 
You think feelings of inadequacy would come up? I would think the feelings would come up. There's the fear of change. How's this going to change my life? Because I know my, my life is never going to be the same as it's been before. It's going to be totally changed. She was overwhelmed. So what do you do when you're overwhelmed? You could do the same three things that Mary did. And I don't care whether you're pregnant or overwhelmed by debt or overwhelmed by fatigue or overwhelmed by stress or overwhelmed by responsibilities. Take a good look at this moment in Mary's life. And see if you could do the same three things that Mary did when she got that overwhelming news. Let me give you a little hint. Let me give you a little hint. You do the exact opposite of what you think you're going to do. Mary was overwhelmed when the angel Gabriel came to her and told her this news. But the angel said, Mary, you're going to be blessed. So that's where I got the big idea for the day. You usually feel overwhelmed right before you're going to be blessed. So this morning, if you're in here and you're feeling overwhelmed in any area, congratulations, it may be your lucky day. You may be about to be blessed. What do I do? when I feel like my life is just overwhelmed. First of all, I let go of my need to control. I let go of my need to control. Typically, the more out of control we feel, the more overwhelmed we feel, the more we redouble our efforts and we try to control it more and more and more. We hyper-control. We micromanage the situation. We use force. We use willpower try to make it work. We do that all the time. Parents do that with their kids as they start to grow up. When they first start to show signs of independence, parents say, mm, we're not going to let that happen. We're not going to let that get out of control. We'll have to nip it in the bud right here. Most of the stress in my life and your life is caused by the desire to micromanage everything, to control everything. Certainly in my case, to be the manager of the universe. The more you try, the harder you try to control the things that are uncontrollable in your life, the more overwhelmed you're going to be. And the fact of the matter is, let me just think about it. Most of life is out of your control. And most of life, you can't even figure out. The Bible calls life a mystery. God not only glories in revealing things to us, He also glories in concealing things from us. God intentionally doesn't tell us certain things about life. Why? Well, He does it to force us to rely on Him, to force us to depend on Him. So face it, there's some things that you're just never going to be.
figure out. I know for some of us that really doesn't sit too well. But there are those things. You have to let go of the need to control those things. Luke 1, 34, and then in verse 37, after she heard this big news, Mary asked the angel this, but how? How can I have a baby? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, nothing is impossible with God. I think that's a typical reaction for Mary. The same reaction we would have when we're overwhelmed. We say, but how? How? How in the world am I going to get all this stuff done? How in the world am I going to make that payment next Tuesday? How in the world am I going to solve that problem? How in the world am I going to get that person to love me again? We ask the but how question. Mary didn't doubt what God had said. She didn't doubt that it was going to happen at all. She was puzzled, yes. She was perplexed, yes. When the angel said, you're going to be the mother of the Son of God, she didn't say, no way! Instead, she said, wow, how? And I think there's a big difference in no way and wow, how? Mary's thinking, how can a virgin have a baby? That's a great question. That's a great question. People are still asking that question 2,000 years later. We're still saying, how in the world did that happen? And the angel just says, is anything too hard for God? God can do anything. God can do everything. So don't sweat it. Just let go of your need to control every situation. And here's the principle that I think we look at. Whatever is bugging you in your life right now, because you can't control it, you need to understand that although it's out of your control, it's not out of God's control. He's got control of it. When Mary realized this, she stopped worrying. She started trusting that it was going to be all right. And notice what Mary said when the angel told her. He said, God will do this. The very next verse, uh, verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. I am willing to accept whatever can you hear that submission, that attitude of surrender? I'm willing to accept whatever God wants. May everything you have said come true. The first secret of peace is let go. Let go of the control. Let God handle it. And Mary says, I'm giving up control. Control. I'll yield to God. I'll surrender to his will. I give it up. I give it all up. Sometimes that's a hard thing to do. I think it's one of those things that's easy to say, easy for me to stand here and say, and hard for us to do. But let's admit it, in a crowd this size, 
you are control freaks, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. We are, aren't we? You've made this innate, you have this innate desire to control everything around you. Because you know you'd make it better than it is. If everybody else would just let you rule the world, everything would be perfect. If everybody in your family would do it your way, if everybody in your business would do it your way, then your life would be grand, wouldn't it? So you have this need to control. And when you look at things that you can't control or hear of things that you can't control, it bites you to no end. Why? Because we have to have control. And there's a verse that I found in the Bible just for you. God put it there just for you. Well, it may be for me, too. It's Proverbs 3, 5 from the message. It says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Does that sound familiar? You don't have to figure everything out. In fact, if you try to figure out God, you're going to be so severely frustrated because God cannot be figured out. He's much bigger than your little pea brain could ever realize. And every time you try to figure out why God does what He does, you're going to be disappointed and frustrated because God is not figure outable, if that's a word. We just made it work. You've got to let it go. There's a, a psalm, Psalm 138, verse 8, that the psalmist writes. And the psalmist in this in a psalm does not say, The Lord will work out my plans for my life. And he doesn't say the Lord will work out the plans I want for my life. The psalmist says the Lord will work out his plans for my life. And I think there's three facts about God's plan for your life. God's plan for your life is, number one, often bigger than your plan. Why? Because God has a much bigger perspective than you and I could ever. All that Mary and Joseph wanted to do was get married, settle down, put some meat in a little crock pot, and buy a condo, and have a happy, little, comfortable life. And God said, no, I want to bless this whole world through you. That was a slightly bigger plan than they had. Do you have any idea? Do you have any idea what God could do through your life if you were totally, completely, absolutely sold out to Him? Not just a part of your life, but if every fiber of your being belonged to God. And you said like Mary, God, whatever you want, I'm willing. Whatever you no idea how God could use you in great ways. God's plan is often 
big. God's plan for your life is, secondly, often more painful. Yeah, we don't like this one too well. Often more painful. Sometimes it's harder. Sometimes it's more difficult. It's often confusing. It often doesn't make sense. It certainly didn't make sense to Mary. The plan God had for Mary's life was much more difficult and harder than the one that she had. Can you imagine the difficulty? Just think, in that little village, the difficulty that she would be facing from the gossip that was going around as an unmarried mother who claimed that God was the father. Unbelievable ridicule. And then when she was pregnant, she had to travel on a donkey on a long journey, about 100 miles, to Bethlehem, arriving the day of her delivery. Then she's going to deliver her first baby without her mother, without a midwife, without hospital, without doctors. She's going to deliver that baby by herself as a 13-year-old girl in a stable with donkeys and cows surrounding her. That would be hard. And I'm sure Mary must have thought, why, God? Why does it have to be this hard? I surrender to your plan. From Mary's point of view, this thing kind of, kind of came up quickly, suddenly. It may have looked like she was being perhaps ambushed by God. Out of all the little peasant girls in the world, God said, I'm going to pick you, Mary, in Nazareth. And you're going to be the vehicle that I'll use to come into the world to bless the world. To Mary, it looked like a complete surprise. Spontaneous. But no, this, this wasn't an accident. God had planned what was going to happen to Mary thousands of years before. Maybe millions of years before. Nothing in your life is an accident. Absolutely nothing. There's a purpose behind every problem that you face in your life. God has a purpose for that. It doesn't ever surprise God. He knows everything that's going to happen in your life before it happens. Even the bad stuff. He doesn't cause that bad stuff. But He takes the bad and He makes good out of it. Didn't God bring good out of the cross? He certainly did. So God's plan for your life is often going to be more painful than you might like. And the third thing God's plan is for your for God's plan for your life is always better. It's always better. When you cooperate with God's plan, you relax and you stop being overwhelmed. God looks at your life from an eternal perspective. The long haul, not just the here and now. And I think I've used this uh, this uh, example here before that, that's on your sheet. I've said it in different words, but but it's the same idea. God isn't interested in making you comfortable. He could care less about making you comfortable. God's interested in preparing you for eternity. It doesn't matter whether you're comfortable or not. He knows what's best, and He loves you. He loves each one of you. 
That's why being overwhelmed could actually be a good thing for you. It throws you down on your knees. God, I'm going to have to depend on you. And God says, that's exactly where I want you to be. That's what I want you to do. How many of you who are parents have ever felt overwhelmed with the responsibility of parenting? One of the most difficult things in life is learning to let go of your kids as they mature and grow up. Especially, especially when they make those stupid, dumb, painful choices. And watching your children learn the meaning of repentance, watching them climb out of the miry pit and come home to God and come home to family is the best gift one could ever have. If you have kids today, you're here and they're still wandering out there somewhere, don't give up hope. Let go of control. And keep on praying. And most of all, expect a miracle to happen in God's time. What do I do when I feel like my life is overwhelmed? The second thing is, I let other people help me. This is the opposite of what we tend to do, isn't it? When people get overwhelmed, they tend to start withdrawing from relationships. They start pulling back. They start isolating themselves. They say, leave me alone. I don't want to be around anybody. Let me cry in my beard. Let me hunker in my bunker. We see this here at Renovation Church. Someone has a big problem in their life, and they start pulling out of the church. They start pulling out of their alpha group. They start pulling out of their friendships, backing away from the very thing that they need most in a crisis, other people. You need other people around you in a crisis. This is what Mary did. Verse, uh, verses 39 and 40. And this is from the message. Mary didn't waste a minute. She got up and traveled to the town in Judah, in the hill country, straight to Zechariah's house, and she greeted Elizabeth. Elizabeth was Mary's cousin, but that's not really important. What, what is important is what Elizabeth was. She was three things. First of all, Elizabeth was a very godly woman. She was a very godly woman. She knew and Mary knew that she could pray for Mary. And that was a great thing at that time. Secondly, Elizabeth was an older woman. So she had a lot more life experiences than Mary did at 13 years old. And she could give wise advice to Mary. And third, Elizabeth was also pregnant. In fact, it was with her own miracle pregnancy. She and her husband, Zachariah, had been childless for all these many years, and now at the end of their lives, it looked like, she had gotten pregnant through her husband, and she was carrying Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. She was six months pregnant. She was not only wise and older and godly, but she was just a little further along than Mary was. Mary was brand new pregnant. She was six months pregnant. And she could help her younger cousin think through the decisions and the situation and the 
circumstances that surround her. And here's the point. When you're overwhelmed, you need an Elizabeth. You do. Find somebody who's just a little bit further along than you are. They don't have to be perfect. If you wait to find the perfect person, you're never going to find anyone. Everybody needs a partner like that. Guys need a guy partner. Women need a woman partner. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 and 10, and this is from the uh, contemporary English version, you're better off to have a friend than to be alone. If you fall, your friend can help you up. But if you fall down without a friend nearby, you're in real trouble. This is why you need to join a church family. And this is why you need to begin here with an alpha group. This is why we're never going to stop talking about this stuff from up here. It's not enough to just attend church and hear some Bible teaching. You need to get connected. There's lots of good churches in Horry County. Right up and down any of the roads, and you're going to see a hundred or more. And they're all good. If you want to be a part of this church, you need to come to the Partnership Discovery uh, class on Sunday, September the 28th, 3 o'clock. Alpha is starting on September the 24th, and Partnership Discovery, those things in, in that order, are the ways to get connected to this church family. Then, get involved in the service team. There's plenty of things to do around here. Greeting at the door, helping in the, in the cafe, helping with sound and lights, uh, uh, helping kids ministry. Lots of things that we can do. And let me tell you when to do this. It's important that you know when to do it. Do it before the crisis. Do it before the crisis. Get connected before the inevitable problems because they are going to come into your life. You're going to have friends and loved ones who are going to die. You're going to face illnesses. You're going to face financial crises in your life. Why not get connected before all that happens so that you have a support team in place already ahead of the game? When I'm talking to people after the services, meeting and greeting after the services, and someone starts telling me uh, about their problems, one of the first questions that I usually ask them is, are you in an alpha group? Are you serving on a team here? That's what you need to do. You're not going to have help, the help you need, if you're not connected to a few other people. It's really, really important. Think about this. In this little church, this little church right here, Renovation, there are over 500 names in our database of attenders. Now, some of those people, you know, come twice a year. They live in Greensboro or Raleigh or Charlotte or something, come down. You know, 500 names in our data, database. But what that means is that Everything that you're going to go through in your life, somebody in this church has already gone through it. 
And they can help you with it if you'll just get to know them, if you get connected. And if you claim to be a Christ follower, fellowship is not an option. It's commanded. Galatians 6.2 says, Share each other's troubles and problems, and so obey our Lord's command. Well, what was that command? We've looked at this before several times. It was the great commandment. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love others. When you share other people's problems and you share your problems with them and they share their problems with you, you are loving your neighbor as yourself. And that's what God commanded us to do. You weren't meant to go through life on your own by yourself. I'd encourage you to realize the importance of the people around you and develop those relationships. Now, there's no logical, rational, sane reason for you to go through life disconnected from other believers. There isn't. There's plenty of people for you to get connected to. You weren't meant to go through life as a lone ranger. I want you to, right now, look to your right. Look at the people on your right. And look at the people on your left. And find the person on either side there that you don't know or that you don't know very well. What I mean, do you know their name? Do you know their spouse's name? Do you know their children's name? Do you know their pet's names? Do you know where they live? What they do or what they did? Have you found somebody? Take one minute right now and set up a time for coffee or breakfast or lunch or whatever this week where you can get to know one another. Right now. We're going to take a minute. Somebody that you don't know. And it doesn't hurt to get up out of your seat a little bit if you need to. There's over 7,000 promises 
in this book, hundreds of them where God says, I'll help you if you will let me. You need to plug into those promises of God. The reason why this little 13, 14-year-old peasant girl was not blown away at these overwhelming circumstances was because she was a woman of God's word. She claimed the promises of God. She knew them, and she claimed them. Uh, Luke one forty five says, You are blessed for believing that the Lord will keep his promise to you. That's what Gabriel said to her. And she was calm and composed because she had the promises of God in her heart, and that gave her strength. One of the great promises that I want you to hold on to when you're overwhelmed is found in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2. It says, when you pass through deep waters, I will be with you. Your troubles will not overwhelm you. When you pass through the fire, you will not be burned. The hard trials that come will not hurt you. There's a promise for you. There's a promise for you. On your own strength, you may drown when the flood comes, but not in God's strength. Where do you get that kind of strength, that kind of strength that Mary had? You get it by doing the same two things that we see Mary doing in this text. Where do you find the strength when you're overwhelmed? First of all, by praising God for His goodness. Praising him for his goodness. Mary did that in Luke 1, 46 and 47. She says, oh, how I praise the Lord. How I rejoice in God, my Savior. And secondly, by thinking about God's word. Mary thought, pondered God's word. Luke 2, 19 says, Mary quietly treasured these things in her heart. And she thought about them often. This woman, Mary, knew theology. She knew scripture. She was intimately acquainted with the Old Testament, which was the scripture she would have known, and shared what God had done to her. Why is that important? Why is it important to hear and read and study and memorize and uh, meditate on and apply God's word to your life? It's important because the Bible helps you to sort out what's really important in your life. The reason you get overwhelmed, the reason I get overwhelmed in our lives is because we treat everything that we do as if it's of equal importance. And it's not. You've got a list of ten things you've got to do. Some of them will be real important, and others of them will not be important at all. Like, live for God love my family and my friends. Buy some new shaving cream. <laughs> Close the deal. Clean the house. They're not all of the same importance. And when we look at all that you have to do, you start to get overwhelmed. It doesn't take long till you're so deep in it you can't see out of the hole. There's only a few things in life, only a very few that really have to be done. 
most of what we do isn't going to matter at all a week from now, let alone an eternity from now. So knowing the Bible helps you clarify your values and solidify your priorities and discover what's important. It makes life simpler for you. These two practices, praising God for His goodness, thinking about God's Word, those are guarantees. I can almost guarantee you that this is the way to get out of an overwhelming circumstance. No doubt in a crowd this size again. Some of you sitting here today are overwhelmed. You might be overwhelmed by fatigue and you're so tired you just can't put one foot in front of the next one. You might be overwhelmed by loneliness and there's this ache in your heart that, that seems nothing can satisfy. Any number of other things that could be overwhelming. Regardless, take the steps that Mary did. Let go of the control. Let other people help you. And let God give you strength. Next week we're going to look at what do I do when someone I love makes poor choices. somebody that I love makes poor choices. Let's pray. Father, I pray for those here today who, who feel overwhelmed. Overwhelmed with responsibilities. Overwhelmed with time demands, with deadlines, with being weighted down by worries, plagued by problems. Help them to experience new strength and energy today. If that's you, then you pray this. Father, I know I need to stop trying to control the uncontrollable. It's a waste of time. So right now, once again, I'm letting go. I'm asking you to take charge of the situation and take control of my, my life. Jesus, I need you in my life. Holy Spirit, come and empower me to do this. Forgive me for all the times I act like it all depends on me. I know it doesn't. Help me to let go of my pride and allow other people to help me. I want to be connected to your family so that I can receive support and I can give that support to Help me to remember to praise you and to think about your word every time I feel overwhelmed. In Jesus' name, amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke the bread and said, Friends, this is my body that's broken for you. After the meal, he took a cup and poured wine in, saying, This cup is the new covenant 
It's in my blood that's poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. As often as you eat this bread and you drink this wine, you remember my death. Servers gone. Take just a few minutes to uh, collect your thoughts about your relationship with God through His Son Jesus Christ. Ask yourself the question: Is it where God would want it to be? Is there something I need to do to um, modify where my position is right now? The needing to do may be as simple as talking agreeing with him that I have done some things that I know I should not have done or that I didn't do some things that he wanted me to do, that he commanded me to do. Both of those are sins and he died for your sins and my sins. Your relationship has been broken. If you feel far from God this morning, this is the time. Ministry team is on either side here to pray with you about any issue in your life. You can pray silently. We have these 